After getting dumped by his girlfriend, a popular high school senior tries to transform a depressed art student into the prom queen. Listen as we chat about pool guys who did well during COVID, the real first reality show, and a weirdo volunteering to clean a bathroom. Then we find out if she's all that stands the test of time. James and Allen have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with a glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Allen have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Allen have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Test of Time podcast. I'm James Brief, and I don't know if I'm all that, but definitely this guy, <laughs> he's all that. Alan Noah, my co-host, the director of this podcast. How are you, Al? How are you? I am fine. And if you hadn't said that, I was going to say that about you, that you're all that. You are all that. How about this? We're all that. Well, thank you. We're all that. Aww. I am excited to talk about She's All That because this is a movie that I feel like people our age know and love, and I had never seen it before just a few days ago. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the best movies of 2023. Because last week we did our box office predictions for 2024, and we were talking about the movies that did really well at the box office in 2023. You were kind of saying that, a lot of the movies that did really well in 2023 were good movies that got good reviews. They were critically acclaimed. But I was kind of thinking about it after we stopped recording, and I was like, yeah, but you know what? I don't think any of the top box office earners were my favorites of 2023. So I thought maybe we could have a little chat about our favorite movies from last year. And I don't want to put you on the spot too much, James, because I felt like while we were talking last week, you hadn't seen a ton of the 2023 movies. But did you have a, a favorite movie from last year? You know, I only saw a handful of films in the theater. Of the films I saw, I wouldn't say that I had a fantastic time in the theater. Okay. The last film that I loved, um, it, it, I did see it in 2023, was um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay. And that was last year's Best Picture winner. Yeah, and but it came out in 2022, right? Right, right. I didn't see it in the theaters then. I gotcha. saw it uh, when it was a little more hype. So I really liked that movie, but... There's too many films. There's too many. Oh my God, you got to see this uh, series and this movie. And, uh, you know, I have a podcast. I watch a lot of films. Sure. I was even looking at the 2023 films to think, you know, the, the best film I saw. And it's kind of sad that the best film I saw of uh, the podcast was uh, Die Hard. I think that was my, the most fun film I saw from our uh, podcast. And there were some others that were really fun. You know, for me, 2023 was not that great. I was I was looking forward to a couple films. Um, like what? I really, really was looking forward to The Flash. Um, okay. I love that character. The Flashpoint Paradox was already done very well uh, on the uh, DC Animated Universe. I was kind of looking forward to it. The director, he's very talented. He had done the It films. It was just, to me, disappointing. Um, I Definitely. Didn't see, yeah, I, I didn't see uh, some of the big films of the year. I still 
still haven't seen Barbie and uh, the Oppenheimer, so I can comment on those. But for me, it wasn't the best year of film. I, um, how about you, Al? Well, what, what, what were some of your top films that you saw this year or last year in 2023? Well, I did see a lot. I saw the live action Little Mermaid and Super Mario Brothers and Barbie and Indiana Jones, Ant-Man and the Wasp, colon, Quantumania, uh, Guardians Volume 3. There were a lot of movies that I did see in the theater last year. And I, I too, didn't see everything. I still haven't seen Oppenheimer. Uh, I really, really want to see Poor Things, uh, the Emma Stone movie directed by, i um, going to butcher his name, uh, Yorgos Lagthanos. I definitely said that wrong. Uh, the guy who directed The Lobster. Uh, I really, really love The Lobster, and I really want to see Poor Things. I didn't even see Asteroid City, the Wes Anderson movie that came out last year. I love Wes Anderson. How the hell have I not seen that? Um, But I would say that the best movie I saw that came out in 2023 was The Holdovers. That starred Paul Giamatti. Uh, It was directed by Alexander Payne. They reteamed from Sideways. Sideways. Yep. I love Sideways. Courtney is going to come on to talk about that movie someday. That's not going to be her Valentine's Day movie uh, for this year. She picked something else. But um, I loved, loved, loved everything about that movie. It was fantastic. Uh, It was a December release for award season. It does also take place around Christmas time. And I was listening to the only podcast about movies with our friends, uh, Matt and Shahir, who have been on our show a couple times. We've been on theirs. I think it was Matt. He said, this might be my new go-to Christmas movie. And I was like, you know what? He's on to something there. I might just want to watch that movie every Christmas. It was really, really fucking astoundingly good. Sorry to be like hyperbolic, but I really, really enjoyed that movie. I loved every second of it. What was your favorite part of it? Um, that's a good question. I don't even want to like pinpoint just one scene, but really the whole atmosphere, the world, the tone, Paul Giamatti is just so fucking great in it. He's so obnoxious and arrogant and pompous, but you love him anyway. The kid who's in it is a newcomer. I don't remember his name, but he was really good. There's an element in it where you think maybe the movie could be going into like some white savior tropes, which you know I hate and gets under my skin. And it totally doesn't. It doesn't do that. It like does the opposite of all of that. It's just a really well-made, well-directed movie. Kind of has some Rushmore vibes because, you know, they're at a private school, uh, you know, and an older person and a kid, but just really fantastic. Highly, highly recommend it. And what's it called again? It's called The Holdovers. It was at last check streaming on Peacock. Um, My other favorite movie of the year is a comedy because The Holdovers was a drama. And it's also on Peacock. I highly recommend Please Don't Destroy, colon, The Treasure of Foggy Mountain. Uh, do you watch Saturday Night Live regularly? I, I know those guys. They're yeah. the, uh, the new Lonely Island kind of guys that make all the digital shorts. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their movie is hilarious. I don't even really want to describe it because I feel like it will spoil it in a way. But just from the, the title, you know, it's kind of like an adventure. They're going to find a treasure and... It's not what you think it is. When you think the movie's going to zig, it zags. It's really fucking clever. And in a way, I almost feel like a little bit bad for those guys that it's just like a direct-to-peacock movie and I don't know that it really got the buzz and or attention that it could have 
because yeah, I feel like whenever I talk to people about Saturday Night Live, they're like, eh, show's fine. But those videos, those those videos with those nerds, those are always funny. It's like, yeah, and they got a movie. And it's very funny. Maybe this plug will be the spark that gets them going. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's all they needed. But let's talk about She's All That. That launched this guy, Freddie Prince Jr. He was hot for like a couple years. There were a lot of Freddie Prince Jr. films. And uh, well, this film came out shortly after um, I Know What You Did Last Summer. So, you know, this was his second hit, kind of more of him being the star as opposed to just being like a horror film. And uh, yeah, like with an ensemble cast. Exactly. And uh, this film is about a high school jock named Zach Seiler. After his girlfriend Taylor dumps him for a reality star, Zach bets his friend Dean that he could turn an unattractive girl into the school's prom queen. They pick Lainey Boggs, an artist who is still mourning the death of her mother. And as Zach starts spending time with Lainey, and after she gets a makeover, he discovers that he actually kind of likes her. But then Dean tells Lainey about the bet, and Lainey agrees to go to prom with Dean. Can Zach convince Lainey that he truly thinks that she is all that? Ooh, I wonder. Okay, so last week you said that you saw this movie in the theater in 1999 at the Trip Hammer Mall in Ithaca, New York. You didn't invite me. I'm a little hurt about that. Uh, but how many other people saw it in the theater? Um, a lot of people thought that this movie was all that. Okay. The movie had a $10 million budget, which makes sense. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the movie was not made for, you know, from its stars. It came out on January 29th, 1999. And January is famously, you know, it's kind of a dumping ground for films. So it's not films you really have confidence with. And, oh, this film did make its money. It opened at number one with $16 million. So, you know, boom, it's budget right there. And it wound up uh, uh, closing uh, domestically with $63 million and $103 million worldwide. Uh, You know, I don't know if it was launching for a lot of stars, but when you watch this film, you realize there are a lot of people in this film. Uh, You know, while it's not necessarily all the stars, you go, oh, oh, that's Dulé Hill. Like, he's going to be in, like, seven or eight seasons of uh, The West Wing and then, like, eight seasons of Psych. I mean... You have Gabrielle Union. Uh, she's a big star. Gabrielle. Uh, Ga- Gabrielle Union. Yeah. Um, yeah Milo uh, Ventimiglia. He wound up doing uh, Heroes and uh, he was, was in he? Rocky films. Who was he in this movie? I saw that he was just like on the soccer team. Okay. Um, you also had um, Matthew Lillard, who is, I think, a very underrated actor. He is funny in everything I see uh, with him. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr., like I said, uh, you know, while he's not, uh, you know, uh, he's, I don't think he stars in many things right now. I think maybe by his own choice. He did some voice work. He was the Jedi in Star Wars colon Rebels, and he was really good in that. And I think that's the only thing I've ever liked him in. Well, uh, Matthew Lillard, uh, he was Scooby-Doo for years. Okay. Uh, not much from the movies. Oh, well, he was Shaggy in the movies. I'm sorry, he was uh, Shaggy in the cartoons for years. Okay. Um, then you have a strong supporting cast. Uh, Kevin Pollock is, I think he is fantastic in this film. I, You know, his role shouldn't be much. It's, it's a dad role. I would say Tim Matheson's in the film, and he's 
fine in the film. He yeah. he's exactly the serviceable like kind of a uh, conservative dad like stern dad. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like you're going to jeopardize your future. But Kevin Pollack made me laugh hysterical. Uh when he plays a kind of a very middle class working dad, he's a pool guy who little does he know in 2020 he's going to do very very well for himself. Um, cleaning pools yeah i thought i thought they did very well like pools did very well oh because no one could go out so they were just swimming in their pools yeah i think pool people did very well and like remodeling people did well but um i like that he was kind of a middle class guy but not really that smart there's this running joke apparently it's something he's done in other films when jeopardy is playing every time alex trebek rest in peace every time he's saying one of the clues Kevin Pollack, he says an answer and it's completely wrong. And No, he it, says a question. Well, I said it's a clue. Yeah, um, the answer is a question. Right, 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 exactly. So he gets wrong every time. And I thought that was funny. I laughed every single time. I was like, Kieran Culkin is actually really, he's funny in this film. He has this thing where he goes, hey, Zach, do you want to play Sega? And it's kind of a test of time thing because it recalls a uh, effective ad campaign of Sega in the late 90s. He's like, Zach, you want to play Sega? Sega! And I just thought it was funny how he was the annoying little brother, but... You know, he was less annoying than usual. And I thought he was kind of charming, but also kind of funny. Yeah, just because I loved Succession, there is one point where he's talking to Lainey, his sister, and he's saying something about like, oh, are you and your boyfriend going to make out? And in Succession, he was constantly saying horrifically sexual things to his sister. So this is not overly sexual, but it was like kind of an inappropriate thing to say to your sister. It's an early form of what he would later do on Succession. Right, right. Um, you know who else was in this film? A uh, guy that pops up a lot, uh, Eldon Henson. He was one of the Bash brothers in The Mighty Ducks, and he also popped up in the Daredevil series. That right. Was in, uh, from Netflix, I don't believe he is going to be in the new uh, Daredevil Born Again. Uh, I right. Don't think he's in it. And this film also had uh, Lil' Kim and Usher. Usher, uh, who's going to be performing at the Super Bowl halftime show this year. And, you know, both of them are fine in the movie. I think both of them are better known for their music careers and their acting careers. But Usher's other big acting role also came out in 1999 in the movie The Faculty, which I guess we could do this year because of the same reason, 25th anniversary. I'm not really itching to. Uh, I think he had a bigger role in the faculty, if I'm remembering right. Because in this movie, he's kind of just the school DJ and he pops up in three scenes, maybe? Well, he does kind of take the place of voiceover because the DJ, he's saying, the uh, election for school prom queen is really heating up between Lainey Boggs and Taylor Vaughn. Right. You know, that's kind of like an 80s, 90s thing that I guess today you would just see something online. Right. He served a purpose. The Lil' Kim was just kind of one of the characters. Yeah. But let me ask you, James, because you saw this movie in 99... What did you think when you walked out of the theater? Do you remember? You might not. It's 25 years ago. Oh, I remember walking out of the theater being completely in love with Rachel Lee Cook. Okay. She's literally our age. Uh, She was born uh, in October of 1979. Like me. Yeah. So I remember being absolutely in love with her with the staircase scene, which is the makeover scene. I thought it was adorable that she tripped on that scene. I I just loved everything about that scene when I was, uh, I guess, 18 or 19 
17 years old when this came out. Yeah. And, you know, it was serviceable. Um, I noticed watching the film this time, which I think this might really be the second time I've ever seen this film. There's basically an MTV soundtrack playing in the background of almost the entire film. Did you notice that? Yeah. And the soundtrack was uh, popular. Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer was a was a big hit. And I think that was kind of like the de facto single slash theme song from the movie. Um, while I was watching the movie the other day, I was thinking if I had seen this movie in 99, I would have had a huge crush on Rachel Lee Cook, too, uh, because she's adorable. Yeah, and uh, why didn't Rachel Lee Cook have a huge career in Hollywood? And I, I think I know why. Was and I do want to explore this in another episode. But after this, she was in a couple other films, but she headlined one film, Josie and the Pussycats. Right. And I remember seeing it like years later and being shocked that I actually liked it. Really? And I remember thinking, oh my God, not only was this film like intelligent, but it had no chance of doing well because this was not something that like 11 year old girls, which is, you know, Josie and the Pussycats. It's literally from Archie Comics. It's like Betty and Veronica. I think it's their cousin or something like that. It's some spinoff that they're like a band in high school. And it was a very meta boy band esque um, look at uh, commercialism and boy bands and girl bands. Rather, if I remember it correctly, I would love to review the film. But uh, I remember thinking it made perfect sense why this flopped because it's a weird film that they either didn't market correctly, it was either too early, or maybe I'm misremembering it. Maybe people can uh, uh, you know let us know in the comments if uh, that's a, a film worth uh, reviewing. Because it's kind of one of those stand the test of time. Is it a film that flopped that should not have flopped? And the test of time has said, you know, it's gotten better with age. Interesting. Interesting. But you know, it, it is a shame because uh, I don't really know her acting ability from this film because, you know, it's very serviceable. But I thought she was very charming in this film. She's getting work now. She does, you know, some more of like the TV films and Hallmark films, which uh, okay. that she's getting work. Um, you, know, you miss one film. It's weird. And then the Hollywood kind of dumps you. Yeah, sometimes it, it's kind of shitty when that happens. All right. Well, I think the the first thing that really kind of struck me in this movie from a test of time perspective was the emphasis on the real world. And the real world was a very big deal in the 90s. That was kind of a groundbreaking show. It wasn't the first reality show, but it was kind of like the first real mainstream reality show. Oh my God, and it's because you're in television. Everyone, like for me, a civilian would say <laughs> it was the first reality show. What technically was some other show, the first real show, because everyone pretty much says that the real world was like the real first one, then Survivor, and then, you know, went from there. Yeah, right? sure. But if everyone's wrong about something... It doesn't matter. They're still wrong. Uh, it was something from the 70s, like American Life or This American, American Life or no, something. No, 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 no. Something like that. I forget. But um, yeah, it was it was a big deal. I was never into real world. Were you into it? I don't think I've ever seen a single episode of it. I never really watched MTV much. Uh, okay. The only time I ever watched it was I liked a little bit of the Beavis and Butthead cartoons 
Oh my God, that was so uh, funny. That was pretty much it. I remember when I was really young, and this is very, very old school. I, I was it John Stewart, but there was a show called Remote Control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can literally remember those are like the two shows I ever really watched on on MTV. And Colin Quinn. Right. And I remember uh, when we talked about Wet Hot American Summer, you didn't watch The State, which was my like all time favorite show ever. Oh, and one other thing. Um, uh, Chris Hardwick. Uh, I think there were a few different women that were on it, but uh, singled out. Yes. Jenny McCarthy and Carmen Electra. Yes. Right. right, right. I, I think that was a, it was like a dating game show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, but them talking about the real world and the MTV Beach House like that is a 1990s thing. I think Real World went off the air recently. Like they had their latest season, I think within the past few years. But yeah, Matthew Lillard's character is a celebrity because he was on The Real World. And I think if you showed this movie to a young person today, you would have to explain what the real world is. Yeah, but I think in the context of the film, it's very easy to understand. I mean, if this was a foreign film and someone was like, oh, my God, he's on Copenhagen Live. And then you saw clips of Copenhagen Live. You would get that this is a show where he's famous. It was so ridiculous that he's a celebrity because he's from this, you know, he's not like a famous movie star that she's dating. Right. And, you know, we've said this before, but, you know, definitely when we're like 18 or certainly when we're in high school, we definitely saw the like, yeah, that's true. The coolest girls in high school were dating the college guys or like the guys in their 20s. But, you know, looking back at it now, it's like... It's it's totally creepy. Or, you yeah. know, without them at least throwing in some kind of like, remember your 18th birthday, uh, Taylor? Yeah. You know, because now it's, it, it's uh, you know, it, it throws that whole other thing in there. Yeah. And I was thinking that, that like, if this guy is a celebrity or even an air quote celebrity, if he's dating a high school student, yeah, even if she's a senior and yeah, even if she's 18, that's still going to be weird this was you know before social media and everyone having a cell phone and things like that so could he get away with it maybe i don't know but yeah it does it does add a degree of creepiness to it yes but i i don't think that was the intention there oh I, sure I, I think the intention was that just that he's just a, a total doofus this character who i did think was very funny and i do think again matthew lillard is uh very funny in what he does. And actually, he's played a lot of serious actors, too. Uh, serious roles as well. So he is multiversatile. Multiversatile? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's versatile in a multitude of ways. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to, like, wrap my head around what multiversatile is. Um, his character just serves the point of he is the reason why Zach and Taylor break up. And then... There's the bet. And the whole thing with the bet is just really smarmy and gross and icky. And I'd never seen this movie before, but I kind of get it. I know how movies work. I'm like, all right, she's the bet. And then he's going to actually fall for her. Let me ask you, when in the movie does Zach develop real feelings for Lainey? When does he make that turn where she's not just a bet, but he realizes, ah, I like this girl? Uh, I can tell you in three words. Okay. And uh, you could really see it in the, in the character, and I really think this is when it is. Hack-e-sack. 
Really? That's when it happens? Absolutely. She thinks something's up and she wants to embarrass him or put him on the spot. It's at one of these coffee houses and it is a real like abstract, ridiculous art. I love the uh, the first artist. His name is Mitch. And they're yeah. like, Mitch is amazing. And of course, it's this stupid, ridiculous, uh, be silent, be still, be silent, be still. Abstract art that's uh, performance art. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's, it's surreal and ridiculous. And Zach, he's put on stage and he doesn't know what to do. So he takes out a hacky sack. That's a very test of time thing. Is it? That was a very high school thing for me. Yeah, but I'm just wondering if like high school and college kids still do it. I have no idea. Maybe, but it was definitely like a cool kid thing to do. And uh, I don't know, even know about 1999, but definitely uh, when I was in high school. Yeah. It, it yeah, was yeah. Hacky Sack. So um, he just starts doing the Hacky Sack. And I actually remembered this speech and I remember thinking this was so cheesy and it really actually wasn't as tacky as I thought it w- would be. Um, I definitely have problems with Zach Siler's character. I think it's very hard to relate to the 4.0. He can't decide between Harvard, Princeton, Yale, and Dartmouth. Right. Uh, you know, it's kind of a weird, like, I think we're supposed to relate to you in a little bit. And that's that's not something that most people have a, a problem with. But just the the general, like, you know, he's out of brought a lot of pressure from his Tim Mathis and dad. He does his whatever performance. You know, he'd been acting and trying to get Lainey to go with him for whatever reason. But he's genuinely saying to her, wow, I can't believe it. That was insane. I thought that that was, uh, that, that's when he really started liking her. Interesting. I wouldn't have pegged that scene because to me, that's him kind of trying something new and he liked it. It's not about Lainey. He doesn't really like her. He kind of likes performing and doing something different. And then at the end of the movie, then he's like, oh, I'm, maybe I'll go to art school. So he likes art. I don't know that that's when he decides that he likes her. And the reason I asked you that question is because I don't think there is a scene in this movie where he really makes that turn. I thought you were going to say it's the the part later on when they're maybe going to kiss, and then she says, hey, what's the deal with prom? And then he runs out of the room. And that is like, oh, maybe he kind of was reminded about the bed, and then he felt bad or something. But it's not clear. And that should be the moment, the epiphany in this movie when he has this realization of like, oh my God, she is amazing. She's all that. And I love her. And it's just not there. I agree that there isn't a pivotal fall in love scene or a moment. Lainey's supposed to be the opposite of Taylor Vaughn, uh, played by uh, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, the right. uh, you know the quintessential Regina George, beautiful, mean, popular girl. Yeah, and Lainey does some very clever things. Like there's a girl that's very mean to her, and she teases her. And Lainey, instead of like uh, hurting her, doing anything, she kind of uses her artistic uh, knowledge to her advantage, and she paints the girl in sort of like a clown face you know it's harmless and it's uh it gets her back because this girl is totally saying horrible things like what is it like to be poor she doesn't just tease her this girl tells Lainey to kill herself exactly and it's unfortunate that Zach doesn't see that she did that because even something like that would be like I like that. Like, she stands up for herself. Taylor is, she's an idiot. I mean, for for going with Matthew Lillard's character, she's a total idiot. And Lainey, I do like that she's not a genius um, and that her dad's not a genius and the brother's not a genius. They're just regular people. I do like that she's charming and that uh, Zach Siler is a little more 
charming that he should be by as being just a jock. But the obvious answer is when you see how beautiful she is with this makeover scene, which is so ridiculous because... Rachel Lee Cook is very pretty with the stupid glasses and the uh, and the overalls. I mean, yeah. the makeover, while it made her, you know, she had a gorgeous outfit and she did look beautiful. It brought her from like a 10 to like, you know, now she's a 10 with makeup and a gorgeous outfit. <laughs> a 10 plus or something. Yeah, I mean, she's she's gorgeous. And it was a lame attempt at making her not attractive in the beginning. I thought they could have done more. Yeah, and there was something I read today that, like, the director said, yeah, it's kind of like the whole how does no one know that Clark Kent is Superman thing. You just have to suspend belief. And I get that to a point, but this movie is just so shitty with the way it treats Lainey, where she's broken because she's not beautiful enough for Zack. And then once his sister comes in and gives her a makeover, then she's worthwhile because she's in makeup and a dress. It's very male gazy. And they also show her as a person who is in mourning. Her mom died years ago, and she talks about that, like in that scene with her dad, about how she's in her shell. She's not really living life. She's sad. She's still sad about the death of her mother. And dealing with that grief is tough. It's a hard thing for anyone to deal with, let alone a kid. And are they saying that she's broken because she's sad that her mom died? The dad kind of says, hey, it's okay to be sad, but you'd still need to live your life, which is why you should go on a date with like this scumbag Dean, which is like, his heart's in the right place, but it's shitty kind of advice. I don't feel like she's broken. I don't think she is a character that really needs to be fixed. She needs to work through her grief, but what she does not need is a fucking makeover. Um, You know, I think she could have used a makeover, but I think they should have honestly made her look Worse. I mean, this woman has the, the death of her mother. It's perfectly fine that she could have let herself go physically. Um, I think the uh, the sister played by Anna Paquin, she says something to Eleni. She goes, do you know what a unibrow is? And she goes, no, what's that? She's like, do you know Bert from Sesame Street, who famously has this unibrow? Right. They should have given her a unibrow, kind of a Frida Kahlo look. You know, that would have been fine. And, you know, then we could have talked about how just because she has a unibrow doesn't mean she's, uh, you know, better once she gets rid of it. But, you know, there's other ways to make her kind of depressed looking. And, you know, they could have actually put on some makeup to look her kind of like paler or dumpier. I think they were just a little lazy with that. And, yes, they do use Lainey. I think that's the whole point. I mean, they were kind of being jerky uh, 17-year-old guys. But I do think that there is something interesting about the uh, premise of the bet, this social or philosophical concept of anyone could be a prom queen. It's just prom queen is whoever people tell them to vote for. And, you know, that's kind of true when it comes to uh, high school politics. And I do think that element is pretty interesting. They could have gone along with it a little more. And uh, Zach being the intelligent guy, that would have been a great way for him to quote some, you know, Harvard study from 1972 and says, you ever heard the Stanford prison experiment? You know, people will just do whatever the popular kids tell them to do. And I'll bet you I can get anyone in the school to do it. 
he can almost blame it like, oh, you know, it was just a scientific experiment. Uh, they don't quite go there, but I do think there's an intriguing, el you know, the theme of the film is intriguing, that someone like Lanny Boggs, who, who, you know, there always are these people who are kind of cute, you can kind of tell, but, you know, they were not popular. If they were told that they were popular by popular people, I'll bet it could have worked in that school as well. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Can't Buy Me Love, the movie we talked about with Courtney last exactly. year. And that idea is something that could be interesting. Also, this movie is Pygmalion. It's uh, it's uh, My Fair Lady, right? Like it, It's a thing that's been done before. I agree with you that there are interesting elements in there, but none of them, I don't think, are really sussed out or explored. Speaking of Can't Buy Me Love, there's this element of people don't like Lainey because her dad cleans pools and your dad cleans my pool. Ho oh, ho, I look down on you. I'm rich, you're poor. Oh, okay, so there's some class stuff going on in there. That's interesting, but then they don't really do anything with that. The death of her mom, I think there's tons of places you could go about a teenager dealing with grief. They don't really go anywhere there either. As I watched this movie, I thought for sure that when I was doing my research and I was looking stuff up about this movie, I was going to find out that there was a two and a half hour version and some studio executive said, this is too damn long. You have to cut out a ton because no one gives a shit about this character stuff, about this girl being sad about her dead mom, about the the class warfare. No one gives a shit. People just want to see teens looking hot and making out and stuff like that. You got to trim the fat. And I didn't find that. What I did find is that M. Night Shyamalan worked on this script and made it better, apparently, which is like, how the fuck bad was it in the beginning? There's just so much stuff that's missing. The entire end of the movie, there's a whole scene missing. Lainey goes to the prom with Dean and then uh, her friend, uh, the guy from Daredevil, the redhead, he overhears that Dean doesn't really like Lainey. He just wants to have sex with her, which I was kind of wondering about because it seemed like maybe Dean does like her. Does he like her? I can't tell. Then she leaves prom, goes off with him. Zach's trying to track him down. And then the next scene is they're all at Lainey's house. Lainey went home. Zach is there. And it's like, well, what the fuck happened with Dean? And she tells the story that he basically tried to rape her. But don't worry, she has a little mini air horn and she kind of made him go deaf. Yeah, the, the Dean character really confused me because Lainey decides she's not going to prom because she's kind of mad at Zach when she finds out about the bet. And then the father has the heart-to-heart -heart talk that you were talking about before. And he says, you know, I hope that you can just remember to be a kid and not just someone, you know, trying to raise uh, your brother because there's a handsome young man upstairs who would love to take you to prom. You're faked out and you think it's Zach upstairs and uh, Fred Prince Jr. And he's going to apologize. And it's Dean. And he has this part where he goes, Lainey, um... I didn't even ask anyone else to the prom on the off chance that you might go with me. Right. And, you know, you generally ask people to the prom well in advance. You know, you're getting limos and, uh, you know, uh, arranging this stuff. And Paul Walker's character, Dean, who looks like Paul Walker, right. who is like one of the most popular kids in the class, he doesn't even make a chance to ask a single girl to prom 
on the off chance that it won't work out with Zach and Lainey and that he'll be able to scoop in on the last chance and just show up in a tuxedo and maybe should go with him. And he'd already pre-bought a hotel room for this. It just seems like he's aware of what's going to happen on the next page in the screenplay because it just seems like a lot of stuff for uh, for a kid to, uh, to to do. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense. Also, he and Zach are best friends, but also there's a lot of resentment there, you know, where like Taylor breaks up with Zach and then Dean immediately starts like attacking him that you can't have any other girl. You can't do anything. You suck. Okay, so there's some bad blood there. There's some history Oh, we don't know. We never find out. That's kind of like another thing that's missing from this screenplay. It just seems weird if if this guy truly was his best friend, not just a random teammate. They are supposed to be friends. Also, when they make the bet, they never say what the terms of the bet are. And then it pays off at the very end of the movie. But it's also just strange because the way that the, the scene goes, the way it's shot, they never establish terms of a bet. And if you make a bet, that is the thing that you talk about at the beginning when you're making the bet. They could have had a line of, well, what is this bet for? What happens if I win? What happens if I lose? Oh, you'll see. They could have had something where they make it some kind of mystery box. I don't really think that the the reveal at the end is a particularly good payoff. They also do that with the who nominated Lainey for prom queen thing. That's like a question. It doesn't really make any sense. Lainey even says, who the hell would nominate me? And then we find out it's just one of the other characters, girlfriends, and it just kind of lands with a thud. Like, okay, why? Why did she nominate her? Does she genuinely like Lainey? Is she just kind of going along with it for the bet? Whose side is she on? It's all super fucking murky. And yeah, there's interesting stuff in there, probably, because all of these characters have feelings and motivations and maybe they like Lainey, maybe they hate Lainey for this reason, that reason, but you just don't fucking know any of it because none of it's there. You know, I, I just don't think it's it's that hard of a movie. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a by the numbers. Um, there's a few scenes that probably could have tied together a little bit more. There's a few scenes that probably don't make sense because it's missing a few things. But um, I I didn't think about it as hard as you did. <laughs> Fair, but counterpoint is that for it to be by the numbers, you kind of need more of the connective tissue that makes the numbers connect. And I didn't think that it was there. I want to ask you about um, Kieran Culkin's character. What's his deal? Like, he's bullied at school. Presumably, he's hard of hearing. That's why he wears the, the hearing aids. They never talk about that. He's also going around the cafeteria, like, asking people if they're okay, if they need anything, like, if they need napkins or something. Like, does he work at the cafeteria he can't because he's a student like I, di I didn't get it he's a subtly odd kid he's just playing waiter you know he's just a kid that would go up to you and say can i get you a napkin you know okay. i think it's just something he does it's his character and he's just bullied um freddie prince jr is not a 
physically imposing person. Yes, yeah, like not if, at all. If The Rock were to go up to you and say, excuse me, my friend uh, Sam here uh, seems to have a problem with you, and you know his uh, biceps are bulging out of his shirt, you are going to be terrified of The Rock, and you're going to eat the pizza. In this case, the uh, bullies had to eat the pizza they had put the pubic hairs on. But, you know, it's not established earlier on in any way that Zack Seiler is physically intimidating. And these are two guys. Zack is one guy. And he's Freddie Prince Jr. And, uh, you know, I don't mean in a bad way. He's probably athletic, probably could kick my ass. But, uh, you know, it should have been established in some way that you don't fuck with Zack Seiler. I'm really glad you said that because I had that exact same thought. I'm like, this guy's not intimidating he's pretty i understand why girls our age liked him and had their poster on on their walls and he was in teen beat or tiger beat or bebop or whatever the fuck i get it but yeah he's not intimidating and that whole scene felt really forced i really thought that was a late addition i thought the studio executives who gave the note that they had to cut out all that boring character shit told the director hey you better put in a gross out scene this came out in 99. American Pie was 97, 98, I think. Uh, it was 98. Okay. I think after American Pie, it seems like every teen movie needed to have a scene or scenes that were gross out, that were just there so that everyone in the theater, all the teens would go, ew, oh, ew, I can't watch, oh, I gotta watch, and, you know, kind of looking through your fingers. And I think that's what this scene was supposed to be. If I remember correctly, I think that's exactly the reaction that the entire theater had. And this yeah. movie opened at number one with $16 million. So it was the formula for 1999. You're right. Yeah, and and, and I'm not saying that it was the wrong call. I'm just saying that it does seem like it was from that time. And also, you mentioned earlier that scene where Lainey gets revenge on the girl who told her to kill herself, which that line would not fly in a teen comedy today. Might it happen in a movie? A serious movie? Sure. A comedy? No. Uh, But the way Lainey gets revenge, like you said, she paints her face. Lainey is an artist. She uses her art to get revenge. Great. Love it. Wonderful. Zach goes after the bullies by bullying them. He is taking the low road. They are threatening Kieran Culkin and he intimidates them somehow (laughs) with his, he's going to use his nice hair to hurt them or something. I don't know, but he's not doing anything clever or smart to save poor Kieran Culkin. I I, I mean, I would say he's just giving them a taste of their own medicine because these guys were literally about to make Kieran Culkin eat a slice of pizza with pubic hairs in it. And he says, now you do it. And in front of everyone. So now these kids are forever known as the guys in high school who ate uh, pizza with pubic hair on them. Right. I also want to go back to the end. So we find out that Dean almost assaulted Lainey and Lainey decides to be with Zach. I really hate the ending. I really, really, really fucking hate it. And listen, I'm not saying I want to see a scene where Dean comes on to Lainey and is really aggressive and she has to fight her way off of him. Personally, that's not something I want to watch. Also, I don't think that would belong in this lighthearted teen comedy. But you can't just have that story end off camera. You need to have some resolution to that storyline, what happens with Lainey and Dean. And there's a perfect resolution that they didn't do in this movie, which is that Dean 
goes off with Lainey to a hotel. Zach is looking for him. He finds the hotel and he confronts the two of them and says, hey, Lainey, Dean doesn't like you. He's just interested in sex. Your friend, whatever his name is from Daredevil, he heard it. And then Lainey says, is that true? And Dean says, wubba, 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 oopsie. And then Lainey says, you know what? I don't need you, Dean. And I don't need you, Zach. I'm fine just the way I am. Fuck the both of you. You made a bet about me. I'm a person. The end. Of course, that's not going to work for the movie that they were trying to make. They need to have the two of them kiss and then kiss me plays and uh, the soundtrack sells a bajillion copies. I get it. But that's a way better resolution. It makes far more sense. And honestly, making it even worse even worse is that in the next scene, the, the coda, the epilogue, is at graduation, and Zach honors the terms of the bet. Listen, if you make a bet and you lose, yeah, you should honor the terms of the bet. But if you made the bet with your best friend, or your air quotes best friend, who then the night before tried to rape your girlfriend, yeah, I don't think you have to honor the terms of the bet. I really don't. Forget whatever he did to Lainey. I think the bet was completely nullified. The moment Dean tells Lainey about the bet, that's probably the only rule about this bet is that Lainey can't know about it. And Dean completely breaks and he goes, oh yeah, Lainey, it was just this stupid bet that Zach and I had. We should never have done it. Like, no, Dean, you can't say that. That that's the whole point. Like we can make her prom queen, and you know you can't have said anything. I think at that point, yeah, the bet's completely nullified. I think the fact that uh, you know he suddenly tries to sexually assault her off camera is, uh, you know, it's a weird turn. But I actually think your ending is perfectly fine. Lainey runs out, and then you have the exact same ending. Lainey comes home, or Lainey's just painting later, and the dad is like, you know, there's a guy. Upstairs, that like is uh, you know has been waiting there for hours. He wants to say I'm sorry, and he says you know I you know Dean only wanted you for blah blah blah. I love bond you because I love you. You know that's the end of a teen film. You could have even had Zach throw a punch at uh, Dean, yeah. and uh, you know again establishing that he is a badass because there <laughs> isn't anything in this film that says that. I take Paul Walker in a fight against Freddie Prince Jr. Absolutely, I do think the uh, the terms of the bet while ridiculous that they honor it because the bet has been nullified by several infractions. Um, I do think that the, uh, you know, loser has to go up to uh, graduation naked. I do think that's kind of a funny uh, thing for, uh, you know, a bunch of like rapscallion boys to uh, think of. Sure, except when you're making the bet about a human being who is sad because her mom died and then you're just kind of fucking with her for fun then it just makes it all extra icky and shitty. And I did like the scene when when Lainey says, I'm a fucking bet? Or am I a fucking bet? Like, that's the one F-bomb in the PG-13 movie, and it's delivered well, and Freddie Prince Jr. looks all sad with his stupid, sad face. Like, yeah, he's a piece of shit, and she should not be with him. Uh, I think he's a 17 year old jerk. Uh, you know, I don't think what he's, I don't think they were trying to find the girl with the dead mom. They were kind of talking about how she just sits in her basement and that's what they were going for. I don't think they were going for, let's make fun of the girl with the dead mom. Right. But then they still kept going with it. The wubba wubba, he's going to get his diploma naked thing. 
I get it. I get why that makes 17 year olds laugh. But like looking at it in the big picture, I was like, this is fucking stupid and a, a, a shitty way to end the movie. But James, let me ask you, what do you think about She's All That? Do you think it stands the test of time? You know, I agree with uh, so much of what you said about all the flaws of this film. Freddie Prinze Jr., you know, he's uh, he, he had a lot of films that just, I guess he probably had like a five-picture deal with some studio film. And, you know, they just kept kind of pumping out films that he kind of had to do. Because I don't think I ever saw anything of his again, except for, uh, you know, the I Know What You Did Last Summer film. But... The rest of this film is, I just think it's charming. You know, Rachel Lee Cook is good in it. Matthew Lord is very funny. You got some good supporting cast by Kevin Pollack, and it's a good soundtrack. I think it's a very tidy 90 minutes uh, that, that this film takes place in. And, you know, it's totally flawed. But this kind of film, I think, can be flawed. I think it stands the test of time. It's a silly film, but you know what you're getting. You said it perfectly. The second uh, Zack Siler meets Lainey Boggs, he's going to go, oh, okay, that's the girl they're going to make prom queen. But, oh, he's going to fall in love with her for real. You know, they did a couple of the, the kind of expected, quote-unquote, twists where Lainey doesn't actually win prom queen. And, yeah. you know, they, they threw a couple things in there that it was just charming enough. And, again, the movie, thank goodness it was not two hours. You know, you're talking about a two-hour version. Maybe we would have fixed the plot, but no, this film needed to be 90 minutes. It was tight. It was kind of stupid. But it's charming enough that for me, yeah, it stands the test of time. I don't think you liked it as much, Al. But what do you think? Does this film stand the test of time? Fuck no. It really doesn't. And I am honestly surprised at how bad this movie is. It's really really fucking bad. It's not all that. It is really, really not all that. Just in terms of test of time, there's a million things that we didn't even get to that completely don't stand the test of time. When Taylor's telling her story about spring break, she says that someone was making out with Warren G's hairdresser. That's a funny joke if you know that Warren G is bald. And also at the uh, MTV Beach House. Right, right. And if you know what an MTV Beach House is. She says that everyone in her family was prom queen except for her sister, but only because of that scandal on the Color Me Bad tour bus, which is a joke you would have to explain. Um, I think it's Zach who says that Lainey wigged. She wigged out. There was major wiggage, as in like she freaked out. That was a, a phrase people used in the 90s, maybe? Yeah, I will say that uh, I have no idea what it means when someone says, Hoover it. Well, I think it just means like the vacuum, Hoover vacuums, like inhale it. I guess, but is that a slang that people use? No, definitely like, not. Would someone today say Roomba it? No, I don't think they would. <laughs> no, no, because that means you have to like walk around the room bouncing into walls. Um, the guy who uh, has to hoover it, he's wearing a, a shirt in school that says kill all artists and it has a picture of a handgun on it. Yeah, that kid wouldn't make it to lunch period wearing a shirt like that today, I would think. At prom, they're printing out the prom pictures. A guy brings a blow-up doll to prom. There's a lot of just stupid, stupid fucking shit. There was one line that I did appreciate at prom they all start doing this choreographed dance and DJ Usher, he says, now it's time to do that dance I taught you. 
And I was like, okay, just those few words, that sort of explains why everyone in the school knows this choreographed dance. Because there's a guy in their school who's as cool as fucking Usher, and he taught them a dance, so they all learned it, and they're doing it at prom. Okay, that makes sense. But part of that choreographed dance involves the guys making a slap motion at their girlfriend, and they don't really hit them, and I think the girls, like, slap back, but also just kind of feels icky. And... The whole movie is also really fucking sexist. Lainey is a problem. She needs to be fixed. And the only way she can be fixed is by being pretty for the pretty boy to like her. That's bullshit. I know that there was a Netflix gender swapped version called He's All That. And I am the teeniest bit curious to know like how they sort of flipped the script on that and like what they did for the male character. I mean, I'm not going to fucking watch it. There's no goddamn way. I didn't even read the Wikipedia page about it. I'm not curious enough to look that up. I mean, my guess is that, you know, they turned him from a naughty into a hottie. Was that the tagline? No, I have no idea. Oh, okay. But, um, it it could have been. Yes. It could have been. At one point, someone even says to Lainey, you know what your problem is? You would be so much prettier if you just smiled. Why don't you smile? Which talk to any woman who's been told by a man to smile about what they think about hearing that. It's shitty. It's just really fucking shitty. Also, there's a scene where Zach does a quote-unquote nice romantic gesture when she says that she can't go out with him because she needs to clean the house. So he's on the varsity soccer team. So he brings the entire JV soccer team over to her house to clean up, which is one of those things that maybe seems like a nice romantic gesture in a movie but in real life, how fucking creepy would that be? All of these guys in your house cleaning your shit? Also, that's when she has the makeover. Anna Paquin's giving her the makeover upstairs while these random fucking sophomores in high school are down the hall cleaning her house? There's something in that scene that was so funny, too. The first kid, he goes, I'll clean the kitchen. And the second kid that walks in the house, he says, I'll take the bathroom. Like, that's such a weird thing. The bathroom is the last person to volunteer. They they get the bathroom, but you get punished. You know, just be a weird thing to say. So much of it is weird. So much of it is stupid. So much of it is just missing. There, There are multiple scenes missing. There are story beats missing. It is a shitty, shitty, shitty fucking movie. And no, it a thousand percent does not stay on the test of time. I might have some hardcore Freddie Prinze Jr. fans who who will be mad at me. His wife, Sarah Michelle Geller, is uh, is in one scene, has a, a wordless cameo because uh, they filmed this movie where they were filming uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hmm. Um, one other funny thing in this film is that Eldon Henson's character, the uh, Mighty Ducks Daredevil character, he is a kind of a chubby white kid and his name is Jesse Jackson. And that's kind of funny. I mean mildly but also what's his deal is he just platonic friends with laney is he gay does he have feelings for her i have no idea i kind of assumed he was kind of the gay best friend but at the end it seems like he's gonna get together with uh zach's sister uh anna paquin maybe but they're they're like talking and it could be construed as flirting or maybe they're just talking because of the whole zach and laney thing i don't know i don't need 45 minutes of them or him, but like just a little more background. Flesh out your supporting characters. I think you need to read the novelization. I will not. Hard pass. Hard pass. 
But that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we are going to be talking about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the 2005 movie with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. There's a new series coming to Amazon Prime Video that's kind of based on it. It's called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So I figured, hey, that's a good enough reason as any to go and rewatch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You ever see that movie? I've seen it once. Yeah, long time ago. Yep, same here. In the meantime, let us know what you think about She's All That, about Freddie Prince Jr., about Hoovering Cubes, whatever. Uh, we are at Testing Time Pod on Facebook, X, Instagram, and Threads. And by the way, if you think we're all that, why not leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts? That would be all that of you. No, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, that would be nice of you. And if you do that, we will read it on a future episode. Bye, everybody. Later. Later.